another episode of Kyo Cinema. Uh, this week, we're actually covering the last Dragon Ball Z movie. Uh, the last of the original set of Dragon Ball Z movies. I think technically both Battle of Gods and um, Resurrection F are Dragon Ball Z colon movies. Um, are they? I think so. I might really? be wrong. I know that they cover... Uh, let's, let's ask Dr. Internet, but uh, I do know that the Dragon Ball Broly movie for sure is Dragon Ball Super colon Broly. I could have sworn the other ones were too, but you know, internet will tell us. Let's see. Was Atkins right or wrong? Yeah. Uh, all the way through Resurrection X. Dragon Ball Z colon Resurrection F. That's um, interesting. Huh. Yeah. I thought it, that that was weird too. I think that's why that little factoid stuck in my brain. I was like, but this is super material. Like it's even in the super anime and everything. Yeah. That's even like the first handful of chapters of the manga basically are reiterating Resurrection F and everything and Battle of the Gods. So I'm surprised that that's called Dragon Ball Z. I bet they... Well, no, I don't know why they would have done that. That's interesting. I don't, I, I, to be honest, I have no idea what the production schedule was like between those movies and Dragon Ball Super, the manga, or the anime. Um, so maybe I'm just spitballing without a lick of research into this, but maybe those two movies were, you know, a intended to be a continuation of Dragon Ball Z, but then had like the Firefly effect, you know, where like they put these two things out and they did so stinking well that they were like, hey, maybe we need your you know, revive this entire franchise with this new thing. Maybe, um, maybe. And yeah. I call it the Firefly effect because, you know, Firefly, when it was on the television, uh, didn't make it, but like 12 aired episodes, I think 14 episodes total. And then DVD sales were so incredible that they were basically like, yeah, this thing is fire. Let's make a movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I and wonder, then they maybe, made like a whole slew a of like, they ended up making like a whole slew of board games and comic books. Like Firefly is somewhat alive and well. It's just kind of hidden. You have to look for it. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it's a big deal. Like it was pretty, pretty big for me. Um, now I missed it on TV, but I had good I friends that were like, dude, when you get a chance, you need to buy this. You need to watch all of it. You need to love the movie. Um, so anyway, um, I, we, we have no idea what we're talking about with regards to the Dragon Ball Z and super production schedules. The only thing that we do know, actually, about the Dragon Ball Z and or Dragon Ball super production schedules was tweeted out by at DBS Chronicles um, on Twitter. That's one of the larger uh, like sources for Dragon Ball uh, franchise information. Uh, and he says that he can confirm we're reading this tweet um, from just a few days ago, I believe. That number one weekly Dragon Ball episodes set after the Universal Survivor arc, which was the end of Dragon Ball Super, um, are in production right now, and the anime will return next year, 2023. We do know that for a fact, and there's one other one that he shared, Adam. Yeah, apparently there's a new Dragon Ball movie after Super Heroes that is currently in pre-production. Uh, they're planning on it sounds like releasing a movie every two to three years, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I. I'm excited about that. I have yet to see um, Superheroes. It hasn't released in the U.S. As of this recording, it will come out in like a little over a month. I think it's supposed I mean, to be due out August 18th. Why go see it? The last trailer pretty much showed you everything. <laughs> I mean, I'm because of the way that Twitter works, uh, I do think that um, 
you know, I, I'm fairly familiar with a lot of what goes on in that particular movie. Unfortunately, same here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I still want to see it. I, I yeah. still am desperate to see it, actually. Um, I was just are- a, a little bummed with that last trailer because it literally hits like every big story beat that I had assumed, but it confirmed it. It was like, well, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it I, was just an odd choice on their end, it felt like. Yeah, and I, I do still have some reservations about some choices that were made, but it has seen a ton of hype um, Oh yeah, since its release, so I'm wondering if some of my nitpicky things will just be completely eclipsed by the, the product as a whole, um, which is entirely possible. So I wonder how much of that, too, is just like Dragon Ball being back. Like It's just got such a huge following that any Dragon Ball content, I think people are going to eat up. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I mean, saw something really weird the other day. I don't know if it was uh, something about the new movie coming out. Surely not. This had to have been fan created or something. But it was like hinting at a new Dragon Ball Z movie where they're bringing another Saiyan in play. And it was like the original Saiyan God. And the the picture of this character looked ridiculous, but it had to have been like fan made or something. Okay, was the picture that you saw... Um, it might have been a a pick or a an artist rendition of a uh, part of that uh, Dragon Ball Legend fan animation that has gone made the rounds. I was talking maybe about this in the was. Discord the other day. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. I'm not super sure because it was like a it looked like a Saiyan that kind of looked like uh, Super Saiyan Four Goku uh, from GT, like standing in the woods or something. Uh, and I think he was like standing on the title. It was kind of cool looking. But... Oh, maybe that wasn't it. But there there was a fan animation that apparently got a whole bunch of hype. I watched it. Like the animation's neat. Um, it got way more hype than than I was. I was surprised by how much hype it got, I guess. Um, Apparently, it had been in production for a long, long time, and people were really desperate to see it. It's a couple minutes long, I think, on YouTube. Um, So I was wondering if maybe you had seen a a pic of that instead. It might have been what I saw. Who knows? You know me. I I see pictures like that, and I just assume they're true. And then I talk to you about them, and you're like, Adam, you idiot. This is (laughs) fan-made content. I'm like, oh, dang. (laughs) Now, I will going back to Dragon Ball superheroes. Um, I've mentioned before uh, the Eric H. Dragon Ball Z podcast that I yeah. stink and love. So they tweeted today, or maybe sometime late last night. Uh, you know, the Gohan gets a new form, so does Piccolo in the new movie. Um, minor, sp- I mean, spoilers, I guess. But if you're on the internet and you're a Dragon Ball fan, you'll have seen it by now. If you've um, watched even the trailers, you you've seen it. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. The the new form was originally called like Gohan Beast, um, but it it also were originally was called Final Gohan. And uh, the Eric Hate Dragon Ball Z podcast tweeted out the only weird thing about Final Gohan will be when he inevitably powers up to Final Gohan Two. Exactly. Yep. And then uh, me and Chalion X, who's one of the hosts of Hero Notes, um, we're going back and forth and riffing off of that. So. Uh, this is Mark uh, of the two of Luke and Mark says that. And then after that, it'll be ultimate final Gohan. And then I said, it'll be ultimate final Gohan grade four. And then we talked about how since Super Saiyan isn't in the name of any of that so far, they could always slap an SSJ on it. Uh, and then eventually I was like, at some point, they're just going to explode and become key itself. Like that's the end of this current trajectory of how people power up in, in <laughs> Dragon Ball. That's awesome. Don't forget Saiyaman. Like, he's going to end up with a Saiyaman version, too, right? Like, bypass Super Saiyan, slap a superhero suit on him. Give him that form, <laughs> yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, that's just, a, that's just a skin. That's just an aesthetic, you know? Yeah, that's fair. Uh, cost yeah, 99 I mean, I, cents. 
a lot of good Dragon Ball content on the way, um, exciting for longtime fans or new fans. I think that there is all the chance in the world that some people are finding Dragon Ball Z in Dragon Ball through Dragon Ball Super just because of timing. Um, it's not their fault that they weren't alive in the, you know, uh, 80s and 90s when the originals were first airing, um, but are finding their inroads uh, with Dragon Ball Super and working their way uh, backwards and stumbling across things like GT in the process as well. Yeah, maybe they'll even stumble across us. Who knows? That'd be awesome. It would be cool. Yeah. If that's you, welcome. Um, <laughs> we we haven't covered anything Dragon Ball Super yet, but we've gone deep into the well of uh, Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z. In fact, uh, one of the other Dragon Ball podcasts that I listen to, uh, the Destructo Discourse, they've started rewatching uh, Dragon Ball, the original series. Oh, that's uh, cool. And in their newest episode, the hosts, one of the hosts made mention about a Korean live action Dragon Ball film. And the other ones were like, what? I've never heard of such a thing. So I got, I'm, I was already in their discord and I was like, okay, here are the two live action ones. I didn't say that we covered it. I wasn't in there to hustle our pod, but I was just like, here are the two ones that some of you apparently haven't seen and need to. Um, yeah, so because they're really those, fun. Go back to our earliest episodes of Kyo Cinema. Definitely. Yeah, please do. Because they were a blast. They were super fun. Well, I got to say, speaking of movies I've never seen, the movie we're covering tonight, Wrath of the Dragon, I had never seen this movie before. I I have I uh my the impression that I was carrying into the movie was not what I walked away with. Um, oh really? I don't yeah. remember if you said that you enjoyed it or not. Uh a peek behind the screen. This is the first time we've recorded Kyo Cinema in like a month. Has really? No, we yeah. co- we covered uh no, we did um we did Fusion Reborn not that long ago. It was just it, a couple of weeks ago. Was it just a couple? Of, dude, I'm telling yeah. you, it feels like a month. My life is just <laughs> like, I, I, it's been crazy. <laughs> yeah. We've, listen, our, our day jobs and, and just personal lives have been a little hectic. In fact, like, if you really want to talk about the interesting peek behind the curtain is we're recording this on a Saturday night when normally we would record on a Tuesday night. Yeah, totally. Uh, so this but, is going to be like hitting fresh on Monday. This is like yeah. right off the fryer, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But we are talking about Dragon Ball Z colon Wrath of the Dragon. It is the last, uh, as I mentioned, Dragon Ball Z movie um, of the original set that you can buy in like, you know, three little jacketed volumes if you uh, look hard enough on Amazon. And even I've stumbled across them at Walmart all the time, actually. Oh, yeah. Um, the little like thin line DVD boxes uh, before we get into the the extensions of Z, the, the kind of like overlap of Z and Super with... Um, Battle of the Gods in, in Resurrection F. In Japanese, Wrath of the Dragon is called Dragon Fist Explosion. If Goku won't do it, who will? Um, which is like <laughs> lifted almost verbatim either from the Japanese or the English dialogue from Goku at the very end. I can't recall which version Goku like almost literally says those words. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Gosh. And this movie came out in July, on July 15th, 1995. Dang, if we had just waited a few more days, we would have been able to like record on the anniversary of. That's true. Oh, yeah. I hadn't thought about that. But then we'd be late. We want to do that. We would want to do that. And well, this one takes place after the Boo Saga, basically after all things Z. Um, do you have any uh, kind of, you know, uh, extensions to that or uh, changes? To you know, that? I tried to come up with something for this movie because I feel like there's a lot of possibilities here. Uh, the only thing that I could have thought that might have been a little bit different, only because we didn't see them, so there's no evidence, there's no proof to argue against, is that maybe this is a separate timeline where like Piccolo never fused with Kami, and you know Kami could still potentially be uh, 
Kami, right? Like the God of Earth. <laughs> I mean, it seems like he maybe he's in control or not in control, but at the Watchtower. I don't I don't know that Dende necessarily may be. And I don't know why I feel that way. I just had that thought. Like, why was Piccolo not in this movie at all? That felt weird to me. Maybe you feel that way because subconsciously when they sh- when they summon Shinron in this movie and he says, I'm here to grant you That's one what it wish. Was. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, he, <laughs> like, he only well, has one wish. So yeah, I was like, okay. back to commie days now? Yeah, um, yeah. And, and yeah. you know, the other thing was I kept thinking the whole time, like, oh, this would be really cool if it was like a future Trunks version. And this is how that future Trunks got the sword. But, but I don't like the way that they tried to make it seem like this was like canonical and right after the Boo stuff and that this was how this Trunks got the sword. Because at the end of the movie, they like do these reels as if that's that Trunks. And we know it's not. So it was just kind of right. like, wh- why? Yeah, I, I mean, it's strange. Yeah, so I don't know. I I didn't have a great one for this movie. Uh, I don't feel like it really fits into any kind of a timeline. Although you could say that it's just in between, uh, you know, Z and Super. I mean, there's nothing saying it's not. That's true. Well, let me run down the new voice talent and some fun like name trivia stuff for you. Uh, new voice talent. Well, I say new. A couple of these guys I don't think have done any other characters that we've covered so far. Um, but generally speaking, all of these guys have made appearances even in the movies that we've covered. So Hoy, the little red uh, alien man, is voiced by Troy Baker, who's played Yamato um, and Payne from Naruto. He's played a ton of Marvel and DC, like Lego video games and animated characters. Joel oh, yeah. from The Last of Us. Uh, and we've seen him as uh, Dr. Cochin in World's Strongest, and Ginger in, uh, which one was that? That's the Garlic Jr. one? Yeah, Dead Zone? Ginger's is that right? Dead Zone, yep. Okay, uh, Tapion is voiced by somebody named Jason Liebricht, um, who plays in Super Champa, uh, and oh, then cool. uh, is also Jace in Dragon Ball Z Kai, and plays Dobby in My Hero Academia. Oh, nice. Minosha, uh, Tapion's younger brother, is played by uh, the young Aaron Dismuke, who has played in My Hero Amajiki, uh, and then has gone on to uh, be also uh, Subaraba in My Hero, and Alphonse Elric is one of his larger voice um, credits. Uh, that's one of the larger characters in Full Metal Alchemist series. I did and then not. Lastly, I did not realize that Tapion's little brother even had a speaking part in this movie. Like, I just don't remember that at all. He screams. I think he screams. You know, I th- we, we talked about this when we were talking about Janimba, that people get credited as their voice actors for just, like, grunting a few times. I want to get um, into that business. Yeah, I, I know, right? Jeez, <laughs> seriously. Um, and then Harutagarn himself is voiced by Robert McCollum, who we've seen a lot. He's Goten in uh, Superheroes, Kai, Dragon Ball GT, uh, Stain in My Hero, and in the movies he's played Meloja, Bido, uh, Misukatsun, and Raisin and Lakesi. So we've seen him a lot. Uh, as far as the naming conventions go, uh, you know, we've seen this in My Hero. We see it a lot also in Dragon Ball Z that there are like little hidden meanings uh, in the character names. So Tapion is a pun on tapioca. Uh, Minosha is formed by rearranging the syllables in Yashinomi, which is a palm tree f- uh, fruit. Or it says Ashi no Mi, which is legs portion, um, which might hint at the fact that he had uh, Harutagarn's uh, lower half sealed inside of him. Uh, and then Harutagarn himself comes from an incident, and this is lifted straight from the wiki, an incident in which Wrath of the Dragon co-producer uh, Seki uh, Hiruda asked for Harutagarn's appearance to be re- redone after being unimpressed with the design, and his jaw reportedly dropped upon seeing the redesign that would later be incorporated in the film, and the Japanese term ga'an, 
being the sound effect for a draw, a jaw dropping. So they took his last name and the term for that and smashed it together. And that's how they got Hrudegarn. Oh, that's actually pretty cool. I, I like the uh, design of that, that I'm going to say antagonist. Did, were you able to find the original design? I didn't. Um, I didn't really look for it, even I, after I having either. read that. I was just curious. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty satisfied for the most part with how it turned out. It's a little bit derivative of a few things. In fact, there are some story beats, I would say, in this movie that are a little derivative. Uh, but it still looks really good. Like, animation tends to be pretty decent in this movie. It looks like a big evil Digimon. Yeah, or just, you know, like another bug. It kind of smacks of... Uh, uh, Hachiak a little bit. Oh, yeah. uh, it's like if Hachiak and Cell, you, you know, produced some sort of weird alien bug offspring. That's kind of what this looks like with a little bit of like devil or demon for Flair. For sure. Um, also, maybe borrows, especially his first form, some design elements from the old uh, robots from Dragon Ball that had like the giant elongated like Xeno xenomorph skulls yeah totally totally well and like let's talk about tapion himself if we're going to talk about borrowing from other aesthetics because he's might as well as be chrono from chrono trigger mixed with link uh from uh you know legend of zelda so yeah and i i mean uh toriyama has a very specific art style and so like if you play uh what's the series of games yeah dragon all the dragon quest games look the same yeah you'll you'll see all that stuff (laughs) yeah so um but let's let's start covering this movie now that we've gotten through uh, a good bit of the uh, the the trivia. Um, we open up with an ocarina crashing to the ground and a giant monster, or really we find out half of one stepping on a small child with a sword. And my first question in this movie, because I knew that Tapion has a sword, is that well, Minosha has a sword too, and they're on opposite ends of the galaxy. But like the at the end of the movie, or maybe three quarters of the way through. When Tapion is explaining what's gone on to Bulma, he says there was a sword and two ocarinas, but Tapion's got the sword. That's supposedly the sword, but we also see Minosha with a sword that looks like the sword. So are there two swords? Yeah, I had the same thought. There were like a handful of things here that, that kind of don't line up. Like, who was that in that opening? Because you could assume they died. I mean, and what happened to that ocarina? You know what I mean? Like there were just a handful of little things where I was like, okay, what's happening here? <laughs> well, Minosha would have had this, the other ocarina for sure. For sure. Yeah. But I mean, uh, I don't know. Yeah. The, the, how the sword ended up in Tapion's hands. I'm not super sure. Cause when he retells the story later, he talks about how there's this totally third random, you know, individual that I think they just call the wizard that, the wizard, that uses the, warlock, the sword. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, okay. Um, and then it, it seems like after, well, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We'll talk about yeah. that then. <laughs> <laughs> There's a little bit of convolution in there, but it's it's all right. Yeah. Well, um, we, we find ourselves catching up with the great Saiyan man who is stopping some thieves. Uh, and I was actually really impressed with this scene because like they're hurtling down the city. And when he stops them, he, he has his foot out to catch the car. And instead of the typical like comic book superhero scene where the car like destroys itself basically around the super powerful individual he gets pushed back very lightly so like he's super in control of his power in my mind to be able to do something like that it's not like the superman stopping a train and the train getting totally derailed and causing all these issues gohan just gets slowly pushed back and i was like oh man like that's that's actually really cool he didn't do any damage at all to anybody that is not what i paid attention to in this scene my notes say they try to run him over and shoot him but neither one of those things works 
And it's also a two-seater convertible, but there's three dudes in there, and one of them is ginormous, so they had to have been uncomfortable. Yeah, he was like sitting up on the the back where the uh, the top of the car would have been folded back, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, and then Videl shows up. We get to see Sayaman 2, who, I mean, I don't know why they didn't give her a more unique name. Why isn't she, you know, something else? I don't know. I've always struggled with the Sayaman 2 moniker myself, uh, or... There's a difference between how they say it in English and Japanese. I can't remember exactly what it is. Like it's say a man version two, like Mark or say two. Man two, yeah, Mark two. That's it. That's yeah. it. And they do their funny little intro dance. And every time I see this, all I can think of is like Videl must think this is really fun because you know her dad's Hercule. He's kind of a wrestler. Wrestlers have this intro. Like there's this whole thing that like is a legacy for her. But from Gohan's perspective. All he can be thinking about is Ginyu Force. There's no way the Ginyu Force didn't just absolutely imprint and scar his little kid brain, and now he's like mimicking them subconsciously. Yeah, I agree. I think that when I was listening to the Ericate Dragon Ball Z guys talk about the Saiyaman saga, that there's some moment that's apparently really easy to miss because I didn't recall it, um, where Gohan kind of suggests that he's doing what he's doing as Saiyaman. Uh, like as a nod to his dad, to Goku somehow. Um, and that that kind of colors the theatrics a little bit more. Um, but I never picked up on that. Um, Saiyaman has always been kind of a, like a, a sticky, you know, joke. Um, Same here. You know, yeah. Yeah. So it, he's the, that particular portion of Gohan's life um, and progression has never really grabbed me. The only time I thought Saiyaman was really cool was like, during the tournament right before the Boo Saga where he takes off the helmet and he's just wearing the glasses and the turban and then he loses the turban and he's just like in that green and black gi. That's super cool. With the sun I, with the sunglasses dude, on. Dude, I love that. I don't know what it like that for whatever reason that aesthetic to me is really dope. But everything else about Saiyaman I think is super silly. <laughs> yeah, I uh the the ending of the scene is those two and I doing their little dance and I said they they ask who these two are, the two or the the villains. And we get a cheesy ass introduction complete with choreography, a script, and spotlights out yep, of nowhere. Out of nowhere. <laughs> I like to think that that maybe he has like some kind of a key blast he's controlling. Kind of like, you know how Yamcha can control that one key blast? Yeah, it's either that or, you know, Videl's dad is filthy rich. And so she's <laughs> just like hired some people to, you know, fly around in some of their flying vehicles and just shine lights when they uh, finish one of their choreographed bits. That's got to be what it is. Yeah. Well, they end up back in class, uh, but they're pretty much immediately called away to another big situation. And it's so weird because Gohan is just saying something like, oh, the frog I ate earlier made me feel sick. Or I think that's what he says in the Japanese version. In the English, he's just like, I don't feel good. Uh, but that kind of took me off guard. I'm like, why would you tell people you ate a frog? Yeah, there was a weird, there's a lot of differences again in this script between the English and the Japanese. So like in the English, when Gohan shows up, he's like, oh, that traffic was really rough getting to school today. And um, <laughs> some guys like, we all know you walk to school, Gohan. Right. In the Japanese, though, he makes some excuse. And that same guy just immediately goes, Gohan, we know who you are. Like this, <laughs> we know that you're great Saiyan man. And that makes some sense, too, because in the English, it's strange because Fidel's little go-go gadget watch goes off. And she answers it out loud in this classroom full of people and calls herself Saiyan man, too. Yeah. And so, like, she, they know who she is. Why is Gohan still pretending to not be Saiyaman 1? Just lean into it, man. Like, uh, like that part, that 
scene, the way that they work around that in both versions is kind of clunky. But at least in the Japanese, the other people in the class are like, we we get that you're trying to maintain this other identity. Just stop. We we know who you are. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Well, we get introduced to the ultimate villain here, who is Hoy. He's an older-looking kind of alien. He's got long gray hair, red skin, pointy ears, uh, and he is currently threatening to jump off a tower. He wants to kill himself, he says. And, of course, Say a Man and Say a Man 2 show up to save the day. And this is kind of a weird scene, at least in the English version, because he's threatening to jump, and Videl's just like, well, do it then. And so he does, and she's totally taken by surprise. Like, she can't believe that he actually jumped. And so Gohan saves him, and uh, then we transition to another scene where they're talking. Like, I don't know why they continue to talk to this guy, but they're just randomly talking about Tapion the hero. Yeah, the, the brave. There's, there's no transition. There's there, It is a non sequitur. It's like they catch him. Hoy is saying, I could sue you. And then the very next line in the very next scene is, what do you mean you haven't heard about Tapion the Brave? And I'm like, how did you get here? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and then what's even crazier to me, because the first thing Gohan says is, do you think I could beat him? And I'm like, that doesn't sound like Gohan at all. Like that coming from Goku, I totally expect. But Gohan he says, do you think I could meet him? Oh, see, I could have sworn he said, do you think I could beat him? No, no, no. Okay, I, that I'm, makes way I'm more sense. I'm pretty confident he asks, can I meet him? Because his next question is, where is he? Gotcha. And that's when they bring up the music box. And the music box might be the reason why, uh, th- like, it might be that sequitur that we didn't get. Because in the Japanese, the people watching him threaten to jump recognize him as this person who is carrying on about some music box on TV, as if somehow he'd already been platformed. Uh, so maybe... Maybe that's how that that stuff connects, but it is still really, really jarring. But that yeah, makes Gohan's, a little bit more sense. Gohan's trying to figure out who this Tapion guy is. Um, Hoy is explaining that he's the only hero who single handedly saved uh, Planet Kronos from uh, in the South Galaxy a thousand years ago, and then that's when that makes Gohan's question even sillier. Right? It's been a millennia, and Gohan's like, "Where is he? Can I meet him?" <laughs> it's like most people are dead after that long. Yeah. But well, to be fair, they do know a whole bunch of aliens like Frieza that have been around for like ever. So it's not too unfathomable that they may run into other aliens that have a very long lifetime. That's fair. But I do feel like there is some more weird things here because Hoy immediately is just like, oh, well, you've got a free tape on. You've got to help me because the earth is in danger and I can't open the box. The box has to be open to free tape on, but nobody can turn the handle and so I don't know what to do here. That's the reason I was jumping. Like, I actually need your help. And Gohan tries to crank it over, but he's not able to do it. And then Hoi somehow knows about Shinron and knows that Saiyaman Man knows Shinron. I don't, there's like no explanation on how that's possible. I mean, every I time they use Shinron, they wish that people don't know what happened. So I don't know how this guy knows about it. Uh, but, you know, they're like, yeah, sure, we can do that. <laughs> For whatever reason, they're totally happy to help this guy out. Yeah, I do think that the implication is that Hoy has been on the Earth for a while. And so he's, I think he's had opportunity to at least see Shinron. Um, and I think that he is even familiar with some of Earth's mightiest heroes. And that's kind of how he was able to kind of sucker Gohan in particular, but also Videl in this particular. Like he wasn't just knocking on the door of your friendly neighborhood street level dude. Like he, he was positioning himself to meet up with very specific people. I think at this point, because he finally had come into possession of this, this music box. 
Yeah, and it's not super clear if he got the music box on Earth or if he found it elsewhere because he kind of mentions, I think in the English version, that he did find it on Earth or that he's happy he found them on Earth, but not necessarily the box. So I don't know. I think there's a bit of a, you know, you just kind of have to make some jumps there. <laughs> that could be. Um, but yeah, they, they, they are kind of shocked by the, the plea to summon Shinron and Videl, who had been against all of this from the very beginning. Like, it doesn't even, like, Gohan tries to open the box, Fidel kind of takes it, and it, I thought for a second it was going to be like that woman opens the pickle jar kind of situation. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, Gohan uh, but, just loosened it up. Yeah, but she doesn't even, like, she doesn't even try. She just turns it over a couple times, and she tosses it back to him nonchalantly, and it's just like, meh, it's, it's rusted. So she, she's wanting nothing to do with this dude, thinks that he's bad news, but then once he mentions Shinron, her tune totally changes, because she's like, well, good or bad, we have to know what's in this box. Has she seen Shinron at this point? Yes. I, w- I think she was there when they summoned it in the last movie. That's Okay, yeah, no, that makes sense. Okay, yeah, 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 you're right. Uh, I couldn't think, like, canonically if she had seen him, though. Uh, but that would make sense, so... Well, I, we, I could be wrong, but I think that's correct. We transition over to Capsule Corp, where Bulma is scanning this box. She's trying to figure out, like, what it's made out of, what's inside the box, but she can't tell either, and she mentions that it's made out of materials that she's unsure what they are uh goku tries to open it but he can't and at this point krillin is like well if he can't do it nobody can and that's the one time we see krillin in this movie yeah and i thought that that was silly too because up to this point gohan has tried now goku has tried neither one of them even went super saiyan i can understand gohan not because this is like post um you know mystic gohan sure yeah but but goku should have at least tried that i would think yeah, that's like, I would understand if Goku went like Super Saiyan 3 and tried to open this thing, if Krillin being like, well, now no, for sure nobody's getting this thing open. But yeah. Goku definitely wasn't trying his hardest. Why didn't the boys fuse and try it? I can totally see them being like, oh, Gotenks could do this. Yeah. And but, then in the English, Goku just has this talk about transitions in this movie. Yeah, they're, they're weird in some places. Super. Because somebody, Krillin says, if Goku can't open it, it's going to stay shut. And then Goku says, not, ne- not necessarily. We need balls. <laughs> Even just hearing it, it's like Dragon Balls. Yeah, but it's so silly. I can't believe Sean Chamel said that. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a, like, it's not that way in the, in the Japanese. And again, it's the English trying really, really hard to be funnier than the material calls for or even really needs to be in most cases. Like, that's very intentionally poorly worded, is what I'm absolutely, saying. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, we get the awesome Dragon Ball hunt that happens in a lot of these movies. Uh, there are a fun handful of little scenes here. Uh, at one point in time, it's funny because, like, Goku is flying around with Hoi, and he he says something like, hey, are you maybe an alien? Because he's talking about being on Earth, and Hoi's like, oh, no, no, not at all. And Goku's just I'm like, totally okay. a normal human being. <laughs> yeah, like, come on, man, what's happening here? Literally everyone you know has been an alien at the end, right? Yeah. Like, I just, it kills me. yourself. Right. Like, that was a revelation to Goku at one point, too. That just made me laugh, because I was like, literally the only person you have put yourself around that's not an alien is Bulma and Chi-Chi. But outside of that, like, Piccolo's an alien. I don't know. It just, that cracked me up. Krillin's not. Tien's not. Isn't Tien considered one, though? Mm -mm. I I thought he was for some reason. No, I don't think so. Yamcha's not. I mean, there's a lot of humans, but they're fewer. They're few in number relative to the other either uh, full-on aliens or hybrid aliens that he spends time with, for sure, or for is sure. related to. 
Well, they end up getting all the Dragon Balls and they summon Shinron. And I dig this Shinron scene. Like when he is summoned, it's another really cool scene. I think it was this movie and the last one that had really great Shinron moments. And he felt yeah. like Shinron in this one. There was a, a movie that we reviewed where he kind of felt not like Shinron. Like he was, I don't want to say scared of the Z crew, but almost just kind of like biting by their will, if that makes sense. But in this movie, he's very much so like, you got a wish or I'm out of here. <laughs> Yeah, in the last movie, he was sheepishly waiting around for people to make wishes that never happened. Yeah, it was the last movie. So my headcanon for this one was, uh, like, Dende is still the guardian of the Earth, but Shinron is just bitter from being, like, let out of his cage for so long without wishes from the last time. So he's like, well, you could have gotten uh, three wishes, but because I'm salty i'm just gonna offer you one <laughs> well you know they did have that happen with uh poranga didn't they where like he has two wishes to grant i'm pretty sure uh they make one and then something happens to the dragon balls and everybody you know is on the hunt again once they come back to life and he's like oh i only have one now so maybe that is what happened like they made two in the last movie or something and he's got one left although yeah, i don't that think be. that's what it is i don't I think just, yeah i don't think that, that that's how the counter works no but. it was just a weird goof for this movie and then qu- quickly too because i think i complained about this in the last movie where like trunks and goten find one like in the hole on a golf course yeah like videl finds one in some grass totally fine the boys find one in the arm of a snowman that makes no damn sense yeah like how did that it, makes how did no it, freaking sense someone had to have rolled that up and used it yeah, or somebody would have had to have taken the Dragon Ball and placed it there because it doesn't make any sense that somebody built a dra- built a snowman and then the Dragon Ball blasted off to the corners of the earth and then landed neatly in a twig hand. Yeah. And then Krillin finds one on the top of a circus tent, like randomly on top of a circus tent. How did it get up there? It's the ball placement in the last two movies has been weird. Well, and like it just has been a nonsensical. Goku finds one in a lion exhibit yeah. at a zoo. Yeah, that one I feel like almost makes the least amount of sense because most zoos they're pretty careful with what ends up in in their like animal entrapments, is what I'm going to say, or their animal cages. I did think that there was a cool nod to Hercules when Goku is in the uh, the dragon cage or the dragon cage, the lion <laughs> cage, though, because one of them ends up like biting him on the back of his head, and it looks kind of like that lion pelt. Uh-huh. I forget the term of that lion that Hercules ended up having to kill. But that was a that was kind of a cool, uh, like Greek nod, for uh, sure. Greek mythology nod, for sure. Well, they end up asking uh, Shinron to bring Tapion back, and that is exactly what happens. There's like this really cool scene where the uh, at first it kind of seems like nothing's gonna take place, like the box itself kind of shimmers and then settles but then the the crank starts turning over and music is being played and everybody starts sensing this like key as the smoke is rising from the box and hoy kind of backs up and i didn't actually notice this uh until i rewatched the movie but when hoy backs up he's starting to power up and release yeah, he's glowing yeah well he's i think he's starting to try to release that uh hildegard like the bottom half because he's he's internalized it at this point and I didn't realize that's what was happening, but what quells him is Tapion playing the music as he's coming out of the box. Because mm-hmm. as he hears the music, he starts to depower, and I was like, oh, that's cool. I, the first time around, I was just like, oh, wow, this movie's you know going to reveal the villain really, really fast, but that's not at all what was happening. Yeah, I mean, and you take one look at Hoy, though, and you know he's the bad guy. Well, we um, do, but apparently <laughs> the Z-Warriors can't figure that stuff out. 
Well, eventually, I think Bulma comments on the fact that she knew that he was the bad guy when she first saw him, yeah. but went along with some things. Because Okay, hold on. So I have this in my notes later. She uses my kind of logic. She's like, I should have known because he had whiskers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like That sounds like something I would say. Yeah. He was small, red, and had whiskers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's basically her, her justification. He there. didn't have any but, scars, though, so sorry, right. Bulma. Not, none that we could see. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's... He comes, uh, Tapion is introduced, he comes out playing the ocarina, um, he's fair-skinned, has an orange mohawk, um, the sword that we've already spent some time talking about, uh, and then his gi is like an orange and a dark blue, and it's flowing behind him like a scarf, and he's got a cool piece of, like, functionless headgear that his brother Minosha does as well, like this, like, weird metal band that kind of goes around their head and doesn't seem to serve any kind of function. It's really cool. Uh, but it looks neat. Yeah, Tapion's, like, his overall design is really, really cool. Yeah, and he's immediately upset at Hoy for letting him out of the box. Um, and he's desperate. He's like, send me back. Um, but the music box had been destroyed upon his release, conveniently, I guess, or maybe necessarily. Maybe that was like built into the way that the box was supposed to work. I don't that's know. What that I part's kind of unclear. The thing that's really unclear, too, is how Hoy got the other box to be released. Like, if he needed Shinron to release Tapion's box, then he would have needed one for the other box box containing Minosha and the the second half of Hildegarn. So how did he get that one out? Yep, that's fair. That's a good question. But Goku, of course, introduces himself. My name's Goku. Uh, And then he's just like, we had a really hard time getting you out. Yeah. (laughs) Tapion, I mean, uh, I think Bulma comments on it, the fact that he has a really hard time saying thank you, uh, because he's basically just like, don't you know what you've done? I don't know if I can stop him this time. And then he just walks off. And Trunks, Trunks's immediate reaction is, I want to be just like him, based on that interaction with Tapion. I think it makes sense. He wants sense. to be just like him. That's a very <laughs> Vegeta like, feel, too, though. Like, I can totally see how he would be like, oh, wow, this guy's a lot like Dad. Yeah, and Videl comments here that Hoy seems to be hiding something. Hoy not being Tapion, but the little red man who done let him out. Well, and what's- So she's sus, too. She's suspicious of Hoy. What's weird here is that we get this strange transition where randomly, like, Goten and Trunks are, like, in the shipyard, which is apparently where Tapion went. Like, what is this massive shipyard where there's just a bunch of wrecked ships? Nobody's going there? What well, is- Well, it's, it's... Bulma makes a comment in the English, I think, that he hasn't left the grounds. So it makes so maybe it sound Capsule like... Capsule Corp area? Yeah, it's, like, some some place on Capsule Corp properties for some reason. Yeah, like that strange. seems strange to me, but th- she does comment about that at some point. That is weird. Well, back at headquarters, everyone is basically just grilling out, having a good old time. Roshi is uh, the drunk, dirty old grandpa. Like he's trying to hit on Videl and then he tries to hit on Balma who smacks him into place as usual. So another great call back there. Uh, the, the kids are stealing kebabs off of the grill. I don't know why they're stealing them, though. Like, they could easily have just taken them. Everybody sees them and knows what they're doing. But they are, I guess, trying to hide the fact that they're taking these kebabs to Tapion, who is not wanting anything to do with them. Like, they, I mean, I think he pretty much just growls at them and almost attacks them. Uh, yeah. What's really crazy, though, is, like, Trunk seems to really think that's pretty cool because he just immediately starts calling him Big Brother. Yeah, in the Japanese, he does. Right. In the English, he doesn't use that language, maybe not ever, or at least not until the very, very end of the movie. Yeah, I think he may have said it like the very, very end. Um, but back in the city, there's this huge monster that attacks. And uh, this scene is actually really cool. It, it felt very Godzilla-esque. Like, you know, you see some people working or whatever, like in some little areas and outside the windows, you start to see these massive feet planting themselves into the ground and wrecking everything around them. And of course, the Saiyaman are on the scene pretty much immediately. 
And we're, we get to see this monster is actually split in half. It's like torso down. Yeah, so at the top, like if you would imagine, a, you know, a giant Godzilla-like being for, for the sake of argument at this moment, at where the waist would be, like just above the hips, there's just yep. a warp, like a, like a void. Um, and it's spinning around and the legs are protruding out from it and it's just stomping all over stuff. And Gohan in the English, there's a lot of added dialogue. I think we've been over this before. So in, the, in the English, Gohan flies up and he says, halt, you're under arrest which is just super dumb. Um, and for his comment, he gets like a xenomorph type tail, Hildegarn or Hildegarn. Both of those are dependent on your lang- the language you're watching it in. Sends, uh, he has a really long tail and he whips it uh, at Gohan. Uh, the, it goes through this like dump choreography intro uh, and gets tail whipped again. <laughs> Like, it's just like, Hrudegarn wants nothing to do with uh, the Saiyan either. Yeah, and what's really funny here is, like, Videl gets wrecked, and she's laying there like, Gohan, you have to leave. And I'm like, why? He literally just beat Boo not long ago. You're human. Stop it. You know, like, of all the people <laughs> that does not have to leave this scene, it would be him. I, I thought that was really weird. Uh, additive because that was not in the Japanese version uh, but Gohan powers up either way he goes on the offensive and he does get a couple of pretty good hits in but they don't ultimately do much because this creature is like phasing in and out as he is attacking him so Gohan realizes pretty quickly though that the, he becomes tangible the moment that the uh, Hildegarn is attacking him so he's like okay I've got to plan my you know punches when this guy is attacking me as well so he kind of uses this to his advantage he gets a bunch of hits off and the creature creature starts to tumble gohan just wrecks this whole little area like the one big difference between this movie and a lot of the other dragon ball dragon ball z movies is that they do not care that they're destroying things around them it's almost like these characters are totally i'm gonna say different like in all the other movies for the most part they're very conscious about leading the fight away from the city not in this movie not at all yeah i mean i guess Part part of a potential explanation is how can you lead something that can't see you? But Hrudegarn's lower half is able to sense well enough where Gohan and Videl are. Yeah. So I guess they could have tried to lure it away, but it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been quick and it wouldn't have been devastationless. I think that it still would have left, you know, path of destruction whichever way that they that they led but it. Even in later on in the movie when it does like form totally, Vegeta and Goku, all the other characters that end up fighting it, they're still just like f- I mean, firing off key blasts left and right, bringing buildings down and they don't seem to be thinking twice about it like they normally do. Yeah, all all that Goku in particular, if he's on the scene, has to do is instant transmission that thing from where it currently is to one of his favorite fighting spots, which is just desert with pillars of rock. Totally. You know? That's the one thing that leads me to think that this is a totally another timeline where maybe the people of Earth are very aware of who the Z fighters are. Maybe that's why Hoi knew who they were and their relationship with Shinron. Like, yeah, we know who they are. They wreck our cities every time they try to quote unquote save <laughs> yeah. the day, you know? <laughs> now, they're, they have led uh the evil beings away from the cities in the movies i can think about uh the super android 13 one they did that for sure yeah yeah um but yeah they don't do that in this case and let's talk briefly about the weakness here so gohan deduces that uh harutagarn's flesh is vulnerable the moment that it attacks which is exactly the mechanic that hatchiak had um in that ova that they sorted out it was like you count to what 10 or 12 or 15 whatever it was and then you can attack because he's charging up his little blast 
So that, that seems a little borrowed. But then later on in the movie, they just totally change the weakness entirely in the English, and it's super dumb. It makes no freaking sense. Do um, they? Is it different? I thought it was the same. No. Like, it's, it's, it's wild, because Gohan yells to his dad, who at that point, and we're getting ahead of ourselves, but this is a good, it's a fine time to talk about it. Gohan yells to his dad, who's a Super Saiyan 3 at that time, and says, Father, he's got a weakness. And Goku's like, I know. And you think that he had sorted out the same thing Gohan did, but no, he's just like, yeah, when he gets really emotional, that's when he becomes Oh, vulnerable. yeah, yeah. He, he's like, oh, he gets super fired up. That's right. Because that's why he kind of like entices him and, and like chastises him to get him fired up. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Maybe it's because he's combined again or something. I don't know. I don't know, but it, they it, they totally change it in the English. Whereas if you keep that weakness uh, consistent, which they do in the Japanese, that makes sense of Go, Goku at the end. He's trying to get that timing right. right. He's baiting uh, Harutagarn or Hildegarn to make these attacks so that he can get that timing right for his own. Right. Um, but you instead, it just turns into Janimba again, where Goku's like kind of being insulting and, and like teasing. So that he can get off an attack. And so, I don't know, it was strange in the English. What I thought was even more strange, though, was that Gohan doesn't tell him sooner. Because when he forms later on, they fight him for a solid few minutes. Yeah. Gohan gets wrecked, <laughs> and then Goku goes Super Saiyan 3 and Gohan's like, oh yeah, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of strange. Again, like, the Dragon Ball Z movies have to move so fast um, but it's little things like that where it's literally a line of dialogue at any moment would have p- potentially changed that fight. Oh, yeah, um, you're totally right. It does. Absolutely. Gohan does manage to sweep the legs and knock him down. It stands back up with its tail, which I thought was pretty cool because, you know, it doesn't have arms. Like a kangaroo. Uh, yeah. Then Gohan starts using Key Blast and Videl celebrates as if that did the trick. But Gohan says, this isn't over yet. And this is where we start hearing uh, that familiar uh, tune from Tapion's Ocarina and the smoke clears and they can see him walking off uh, in the in the distance. And then Videl spots Hoy up on a building, yep. but they both get away despite things like super speed and flight. Like, I'm like, you could catch up to either one or both of them if you wanted to, but you don't. They're just like, oh, shucks, they got away. Yeah, super <laughs> weird. Uh, uh, yeah, super, super weird. But we, we transition to see Tapion hiding out back uh, like in this abandoned ship. Uh, and Trunks is trying to make friends, and Tapion pretty much tells him to GTFO. Like, he does want, yeah. not want anything to do with him. Uh, Ta- Tapion falls asleep and drops his ocarina, which seems to, like, release the top half of Hildegarn out of his body. I don't know why, though, because they don't make it seem like holding the ocarina keeps him in. It's almost more like when he falls asleep, he can't control it. So it kind of seemed like they were trying to insinuate one thing when we know it's another. Uh, but it is kind of a neat scene because, like, the top half of this this beast is, like, spilling out of this portal. It's a really cool moment here, I thought. And he's about to basically take out Tapion. Like, he's going to just totally eat him. But right before he does, he grabs the ocarina and he starts playing it. And so Hildegarn gets, like, sucked back into his body, basically. Yeah, and he grabs it calmly. He's, like, cool, calm, and relaxed. Just casually picks up the ocarina when he's within reach, stands up closes his eyes, begins playing this thing, and it's just like the world around him doesn't matter anymore, including the giant top half of a monster that's trying to grab him and eat him. Uh, and he's just casually playing uh, a little flute yep. off, off a, you know, in an abandoned building somewhere. Which, um, but the it, scene does resolve that way. It makes sense later when he explains that by playing the ocarina, it makes him invulnerable to Hildegard's attacks for mm-hmm. some reason. But yeah, I don't know. I thought that was kind of meh, whatever. <laughs> or, or maybe I thought that it made some sense when you get to the point where 
not necessarily his mention about invulnerability because that begins to slip a little bit later, but that he explicitly mentions we didn't know how to play ocarinas, but when we place them to our lips, it's it's as if we learned or we knew in that moment how to play, almost like he gets into a trance. Um, that's kind of how I thought about that anyway. Yeah, that's actually a really good way of putting it. Well, we see Trunks show back up. Uh, he's trying to bring Tapey on food. He's still trying to to befriend him. And we, we get a quick scene where Bulma is talking to Videl about this whole scenario and how he's really jealous of Goten for having older siblings. And, you know, he she's kind of explaining to Videl, like, what's happening here with this relationship that's budding between Trunks and, and Tapion, or at least what, what Trunks wants. And the whole time I'm thinking, like, why would she even entertain the idea of letting her son go and hang out with Tapion and Videl has that same reaction. But then I remembered, but Bulma's literally befriended a bunch of aliens too. So she probably doesn't think anything of it. Like her best friend, Goku is definitely an alien. She married a total villain. You know what I mean? So I say married. There's that. And there's also the fact that like her son is one of the strongest top 10 strongest people in the that's world. That's true. I forget. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know? But she's, it's still her son. I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's yeah, fair. No, on the parenting side, not knowing what we do, especially about Trunks, uh, you know, even knowing what we do know about Bulma's own experiences with uh, with aliens. Uh, yeah, the parenting bit is kind of strange, especially when she's just like, yeah, you can be in my house and tuck my minor son into bed <laughs> yeah. unsupervised like that. That that was the most bonkers part of the relationship to me. Well, and I'll, I'll say this when we get to that scene, but there's there's some funny things that I kind of inferred there as well. Uh, but we transfer it back over to Tapion, who is hanging out, playing uh, kind of like his music. Or he's not playing. He's playing his, yeah, he is. He's playing the ocarina. It, like, so it's not even just a containment spell thing. It's just like his hobby now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Trunks is trying to make friends with him by discussing the music and talking about like trying to play at some point in time. And out of nowhere, Hoy attacks and he knocks the ocarina out of Tapion's hands. Trunks is able to grab it and... Hoi tries to convince him that like Tapion is actually the villain here and that he is not the hero that he talked about and that he's the one that destroyed the city. And initially it kind of seems like Trunks may be buying it, but he ends up tossing the ocarina over to Tapion and Hoi flies off. And as Trunks is like leaving, it almost seems like he did that specifically to just buy Tapion's trust. Like because he he starts to treat him like a friend or like a big brother and initially tapion still has that really like cold shoulder and trunks is like oh man i definitely thought that would have fixed it but right tapion does decide he's hungry and they end up making friends either way and so they're playing with some toys yeah and it's telling some stories it's so funny because in the english version trunks is going into how like his mom bought him this collectible and it would probably be worth more money if yeah. and i'm like you're probably the richest family on the planet do you really care about reselling your toys later yeah, it's it's kind of he's being like that rich prick kid. Yeah, that's just like because he's like it's still got the sticker on the back. It's probably worth like a lot of zinny and stuff. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I was like, dude, he might not even understand the concept of money, and you're talking about this like collectible doll. I do like this touch in this scene too that Tapion is totally distracted when one of Trunks's robots falls over and breaks at the waist and continues to move. So like he is distracted by a robot that has a separate top and bottom half. Um, and that's exactly what's going on with, with uh, him in, Min uh, in Minosha. Yeah, and that's actually, Trunks kind of asks Tapion, like, hey, do you have any siblings? And Tapion does 
go into the fact that he thinks of Trunks kind of like Minosha. He says he has a good heart like Minosha. And he describes his planet and talks about how beautiful it was and how it was very similar to their Earth before Hildegard attacked. And then a miracle saved them. And he turns around and Trunks is totally asleep, like just disrespecting this dude's past. <laughs> and, yeah, we got to wait on the miracle. Yeah, exactly. So he, he is talking about remembering Minosha, though. And we do finally kind of see this image of Minosha for the first time, I think. And he mentions the second time. Is it the second time? He got stepped on right oh that's right that's right yeah he mentions that he's not gonna let that happen again though and bulma catches tapey on like leaving in the hallway and she offers to let him stay the night inside but he says he can't do that because he's far too dangerous and in my mind and in my notes i have this written down i imagine this is exactly how the conversation with vegeta went that led to them eventually having trunks like she caught him in the (laughs) hallway and she was like Hey, you can stay here. And he's like, no, I'm dangerous. And she's like, oh, really? Okay. <laughs> like, I can see how this would like totally be one to one. You know what I mean? But what Vegeta didn't didn't say in that scenario, if that's how it played out, was there's a phantasm locked in my body. <laughs> Maybe which is what he did, and that's what got her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want a little bit of that phantasm, boy. Uh, but yeah. Bulma does invite Tapion over, uh, over t- and over tea, he begins to uh, talk about, especially Hoi, and he mentions that Hoi is a member of a race of beings called the Kashfar, that they are this superior species that hunts down and exterminates races or other beings that uh, they just think are inferior to their own. So on uh, Konuts, the original home of Tapion and Minusha, that, uh, Minosha, that they, re- her, they revived Harutagarn and it consumes its victims and imprisons their life forces. Um, but in the Japanese, the explanation is that Harutagarn is a collection of all of the ill will and evil will on that planet, which just turns him again into Hachiak. Yep. <laughs> like, there's that borrowed piece again in the Japanese. It's just well, like, it's Hachiak all over again, kind of the way that it was described. Um, this is where Bulma says, I knew he was a villain because those whiskers were a dead giveaway. <laughs> um, and then she asks him, well, how did you guys end up handling this, th- this threat? And he explains that they stumbled across this sword that he's currently got in the Japanese. It was given to him by God, not like wielded by some wizard. Um, but the wizard ends up with it, um, and cuts the rampaging Harutagarn in half, uh, and then the explanation of the ocarinas takes place. We didn't know how to play them, but then we could, and it made him angry and it couldn't touch us. Um, so this thing gets cut in half, uh, but it was still alive. And so the wizard confined the upper half in Tapion and the lower half in his brother, Minutia. I'm going to keep calling him Minutia. It's Minosia. Minosia, yeah. Um, but Minutia is an English term and it slips off the tongue easier. Um, so Boma's obvious question is, well, then how did you end up in the music box? <laughs> Which is a great question. It's the one that everybody's been really asking all the way since Gohan at the beginning. If he's this great hero, what's he doing in this box? Yeah, because he even mentions uh, like the whole planet regards him and his brother as heroes for like saving the planet, basically. Yeah, and his explanation is by putting us in this box, it was the only way we could think to keep the cash far from getting their hands on us, which makes all of the sense. Well, you know, what's even stranger, maybe not strange, but like I thought was an odd choice in the Japanese version. They make it sound like this whole race is very evil. And like they were out as a single entity to take over kind of the galaxy, almost like a Frieza type. But then yeah. in the, the English version, it's Hoi. It's not the cash race. It's Hoi specifically. Uh, like he mentions that he's a member of that race and that they did attack the planet, but it's Hoy that's wanting to try to get a hold of them. So I thought it was weird to make him like the single focal point of that race, if that makes sense. Well, I think at some point it's said that he's the last one. Oh, is that what it is? That makes a little bit more sense. I'll give it that then. Yeah. 
So, and they, they were, they were told, Tapion and Minosha were told that they would be released once the cash for were brought to justice. And then as a final precaution, not only were they sealed in these impregnable boxes, but then they were shipped off to opposite ends of the galaxy because the closer the boxes are, the stronger, uh, Hildegarn or Herudegarn is the the halves are and it becomes harder to uh, contain even inside of the boxes I guess yeah and then Tapion makes a comment about how he's really really exhausted because like I guess the only place he can sleep is inside of that box and so since he's been out of it he's not been able to sleep because every time he does you know the monster gets out and Bulma is just like oh I can remake that box for you I can even make it bigger and I'm like, yeah, I love that. Okay, cool. <laughs> and I love, the- I love, uh, fix it up, Bulma, man. Oh, I do like, too. When she's in the like the creator space, I love that that version of Bulma so Me much. Me too. And it's so funny here because she's like, yeah, I'll do that, but you've got to spend time with Trunks. And he's like, okay. <laughs> and she doesn't say that in the Japanese at all. What's really funny too is in the English version, she goes into this like really technical reason why the box is going to help him sleep, like the material it's made out of and the frequency that it emits. So that way it's blocking out the Hildegard from taking over his mind. But in the Japanese version, she's like, yo, it's like your box. <laughs> That's yeah. pretty much it. <laughs> Well, then we we cut to a scene where the bottom half of Herudegarn is running around again, and it's using tentacles to consume humans, because that's the thing Hoy was, like, telling it. It was just like, this is just a taste of what you'll get once you're reunited, but we never see those tentacles again. Um, then Tapion gets a headache while he's inside of the box, taking his, his nappy, uh, and it, it ends up blowing up the chamber as well as part of Capsule Corp, uh, because the monster tried to get out, and he says that he stopped it in time. But because the lower half is out and it warps actually to where they are, um, he's worried that he's not going to be able to hold it in. So he's like, y'all need to kill me like right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but when he as soon as he says that comment, the bottom half warps in and Hoy's like, I'm not going to let you do that. Uh, he tries to Tapion tries to play the ocarina, but it gets blasted away by Hoy. Uh, Trunks dives on it, tosses it to Tapion. But the proximity of the two halves proves too much. So the mist like erupts out of Tapion. And uh, Herudegarn is completed. And then Gohan says, our problem just got a lot. And there's a small pause, bigger. <laughs> and I was like, oh, gosh, the English dub is so bad sometimes. It's just too punny. It tries too hard. It does. And and so the Sun family ends up powering up. Goten and Goku go Super Saiyan. Uh-huh. Yeah, because somebody says suggestions, anyone? Like, how are we going to handle this? Like, you handle it the same way you handle literally every other problem that's presented to you in the entire franchise you go and you punch it a bunch this is where like <laughs> it wasn't oolong that said this but it should have been oolong that said this because i think you're right goku may have been the one that was like what do we do and i think bulma says i don't know you're the superheroes which <laughs> if, if that had been oolong that would have been great but he was not in this movie hoy begins to do some monologuing and he talks about how this creature has been summoned to do his bidding and it's going to destroy humankind. Uh, and so it immediately, this is what he says. So Hoy tells Harutagarn, who he's apparently controlling at this point, destroy humanity, destroy humankind. Wipe him off the face of the earth. So what does Harutagarn do? do? He immediately attacks a group of people that are mostly consisting of aliens and hybrid aliens. <laughs> yeah, you're like true. so few humans did he actually attack in that split moment. I don't think that he's actually in control of him though, because he like just a couple minutes later he ends up stepping on top of him. So yeah, I think that he had, I think that he had certain control over one half. Like he was able to kind of control the bottom half a bit. Maybe, yeah. Um, and then yeah, at this point they're 
their agendas are aligned well enough, but then as soon as that deviates, it turns into Boo and Bobbity all over again, really. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think Bulma is the only human on site when Hoy's like, destroy humans, and then he starts punching things. <laughs> you're like, right, yeah. He goes after everything except for the one human there. <laughs> yeah, no, you're totally right. Uh, well, Gohan takes charge, uh, but he kind of takes this weird moment to be like, I can't track his movements. I don't know what's going on, even though it seemed like earlier he could. And there's no visible real power ups outside of the fact that the bodies can join. So I just thought that was kind of a weird like, why can Gohan not do this now? You know what I mean? Yeah, he I mean, Hrudegarn ends up smacking around some Super Saiyans in the process, too. Um, but ultimate Gohan, we're, we're assuming because, because the way that the timeline is, uh, is even he can't keep up with the speed of Hrudegarn ends up getting grabbed, but then Vegeta snipes Hrudegarn in his arm while it has Gohan grabbed, which I think lines up well enough with the, the, the first vulnerability. The, the yeah. At least yeah. the first one for sure. No, yeah. but then Vegeta says, I was enjoying my first day off in over a month until, until you stepped on my house, basically. Yeah. My comments are just. <laughs> WTF does he do? Like, I, yeah, yeah. First day off from what in a month? So I have this headcanon here, and we'll get to it here in a moment. But he's he's talking about, like at least in the Japanese version, that he's just more upset about his house. He doesn't mention anything about a job. But the idea of him having a job feels like a really weird concept. And so I, I tried to think about what kind of job would Vegeta have, right? Because we know Goku is technically a farmer, and it's kind of a mundane job for a Saiyan. So I like to think that Bulma was trying to give Vegeta jobs to like put him in his place. Like, yeah, you're the Saiyan prince, but you're also kind of like the custodian at this big business or something, right? <laughs> oh, God. And that leads... Vegeta wouldn't stand for any of that. I hate to tell oh, you. Oh, I know he wouldn't, but I love the idea of him doing it for Bulma because you have to know, you've got to believe that there's all these little things that Vegeta probably does to keep Bulma happy secretly that we don't know about it's never shown in the show like goku and chi chi doesn't know anything about it and he would kill anybody that found out but you gotta know like he loves his wife he we clearly know that from battle of gods right so i love to think he does all these little things for her that he normally wouldn't do but later on when he is uh like shoved into that building and there he's around all the office workers i like to think the only reason he saved them was because that's his office he's like oh <laughs> god they know who i am i gotta save everybody now <laughs> yeah, because there is that moment where he, he there is a little a brief moment of deliberation when he's in. Yeah, there. but so in my head canon, and that's the office that he works at, and that was his day off. That's hilarious. <laughs> okay, I kind of love that. So anyway, yeah. So you you kind of uh, tackled the next. I jumped scene. us forward a little bit. Yeah, does end up so yeah, smacking Vegeta into an office building, and Vegeta uses his key to kind of shield the people inside because Harutagorn starts breathing fire, um, and Vegeta just says, "Is that it?" and then drops out of Super Saiyan. Um, Goku ends up getting clapped like Pycon did yeah. uh, against Janemba, just like smashed between two hands. Rudigarn's breathing fire everywhere. Then the boys decide that they're going to fuse. They totally skip the failed fusion gags, thankfully, because we've seen them all. We've seen them in literally every time somebody's tried to fuse at this point. So it's just great to see Super Saiyan 3 Gotenks right out of the gate. Um, and he he begins to take care of business, Dude, to be honest. He, I mean, he immediately has the upper hand. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Like I thought this was an awesome scene. He shoots what in the English is called the double lethal missile, but I think the move's actual term is something like the never-ending die-die missiles or something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, it's, it's definitely something close to that. Um, does manage to drive Rudigarn down to the ground, but when the smoke clears, it looks like Rudigarn has like been bronzed. Yeah, like um, metal or rusted over. Yeah, and so Goku's trying to tell Gotenks, go ahead and finish the attack, um, 
and so he shoots a beam down there, but it's no longer bronze. It like opens up like it's a it was a chrysalis, a like cocoon, a cocoon. Yeah, it's like uh, it, and so now he's got wings and horns and much more color in the face. He definitely to me, I had my notes. He looked like one of those original Digimon's. Uh, I don't remember what the name was, but there's like a bug like one, and that scene reminded me of the uh, intro to the original Digimon season, where like that that oh. Digimon is shown because it looks like the wings splitting open and everything. It was very very similar. Uh, but yeah, there's a really cool effect too. When like, if you watch like a time lapse of like a cicada or whatever coming out of its little chrysalis, they're a brighter color when they first come out, and then as their uh, exoskeletons harden, they darken up. They did that color trick with Harutagarn, and I thought that that was the weirdest detail in this movie, but it was super good. Whoever animated it was very proud of themselves. Like you could tell they put yeah. a lot of work into this one. It was it, the animation was great the whole movie. It um, really was. But yeah, now that he's big massive has horns and wings he turns around slaps go tanks and this is the first movie i think where it's shown that like a fused character if they get hit hard enough it just defuses them because immediately they they defuse uh gohan gets grabbed and like thrown around videl gets blasted with fire and somehow she's able to evade it like i thought that was weird uh but she does end up getting wrecked and gohan's laying on the ground right next to her the monster is absolutely destroying the city goku goes into attack but he absolutely gets taken out like it seems like he's unaware of the weakness, and this was where in my notes I was like, why did Gohan not say something to somebody? Between the first time he fought and this time, it seems like at some point he would have said something. But no, he doesn't. Yeah, there needs to, especially once the threat of Harutagarn is known by everybody in the group, there should have been like an after-action report by Gohan that was like, yo, I had this experience with it, this is what I learned. It might come in handy. To be fair, though, like <laughs> there's nothing like that. The whole a lot of the plot lines in most of the movies and TV shows would be resolved if the main characters talked a little bit more. That is true. Communication would destroy Dragon Ball oh, Z absolutely. as as a franchise. Like the entire <laughs> the entire uh, Namekian saga is just one bad communication trip. Like what? Yeah. I mean, one horrible game of telephone, pretty much. That is true. That's funny. Hoy is uh, running around trying to encourage Harutagarn. Tapion begins playing the uh, ocarina again. At this point, I think Goku is passed out. Uh, I think that that yeah. just took yeah, place. Yeah, he's been knocked out pretty much. There's a super brief scene of Vegeta being helped up by the people in the office, which makes even more sense if they are his actual office mates. Because like when I first saw it, I was like, Vegeta wouldn't let himself be helped up by a bunch of scrub humans. <laughs> but he would if it were like the people that in the cubicles next to him, he might be willing to let him pick I, him up. I have in my notes here that like the, there's like two dudes holding him and they're looking at each other kind of shocking, like like they are aware of who they're holding, but also not familiar with how powerful he is. And I'm like, in my mind, I was like, Jim, did you know the custodian had powers like this? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> Hoy says a really good line here, too, as Tapion continues to play his ocarina. He says, after a thousand years, you'd think he'd learn to play a different tune. I'm like, that's pretty good. That is good. Uh, I like that yeah. line quite a bit. Yeah, except what he doesn't know is that uh, Tapion doesn't know how to play the ocarina. It's like the ocarina doing it itself. Yeah, the, yeah, the ocarina is playing Tapion. That's the real <laughs> that trick. No joke, yeah. We get the, a bunch of scenes here of all the Z fighters pretty much totally like wiped out. I mean, the this monster's just wiped the floor with them, and he turns around and he starts to attack the city and just steps on Hoy, kills Hoy too. Oh, not yet, not yet, not yet. No, uh, I guess I'm ahead of my notes then. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not yet. So this is where. Oh, you're right. There's like um, a whole paragraph here I missed. Yeah. So uh, what happens initially is that um, Tapion is continuing to play the ocarina and Harutagarn actually begins to melt back into Tapion. And so both halves are trapped in Tapion at this point. And then Trunks runs up, 
Um, and Tapion is immediately like, here's a sword, kill me now. Um, to Trunks, to a child, uh, to the person with whom he has the most relational uh, you know, connection with. And there's this scene in the English where he's sh- like, of course, Trunks is reluctant. And in the English, uh, Tapion yells at Trunks, do you want to see everyone you care about die? And in the Japanese, though, his question is, you want to be a hero too? And the answer to those two questions are interesting, right? Like, of course, he, like Trunks is shaking his head no to, do you want to see everybody die? But if the question is, do you want to be a hero too? And he's shaking his head no. I think that what that communicates is not if it costs me this. Right, absolutely. Know? Because you can't change the animation. It's not like Trunks said yes or no. He gestured no. Right. In, in the Japanese, to have Tapion say, listen, if you want to be the hero, this is how you do it. And Trunks saying, it's not worth that. I think that that carries a lot more weight than that kind of jarring, do you want to see everybody you care about die? Plus, like, the person that Trunks cared about the most in that particular moment was Tapion himself. Anyway. Absolutely. Well, there was a handful of, of gestures like that, too, near the end, where they changed the Japanese. And I, I was like, why would you do that? Like, it's not a fun beat here. This is not a funny moment. So and we'll get to that in a second. Uh, but yeah, Trunks is refusing to effectively kill Tapion, and Tapion is literally begging him. He's like, I know it's not fair, but there's just not another way. And Trunks takes the sword. It looks like he is about to actually kill Tapion. Like, maybe he's going to do it. But Hoy flies on the scene, and uh, at this point, it's like it doesn't even matter. Like, the monster, the Hildegarn, is starting to take over, and you can tell that Tapion is having a very hard time controlling things. The Ocarina gets destroyed. The, uh, the Hildegarn is back on the scene, and he, I mean, it's crazy. Like, he, he's, this is where we get that shot again of all of the various fighters basically taken out. And this is where Hoy gets killed. Now I'm back right. on track. <laughs> yeah, he says, Harutagarn is mine to control, as are all other weaker creatures who pollute my universe. And then he immediately gets stepped on. And I just have in my notes that that is genocide. So Harutagarn, because he says, because Hoy is the, the only, only uh, cash bar guy yep, left. Yep, you're totally <laughs> Harutagarn right. Harutagarn just committed genocide right in front of everybody. Which I guess uh, this is enough to piss off Goku. For whatever reason, he's woken up. He sees what's going on. And I mean, we don't know that. We just hear him screaming in the background. We turn around and it's him going Super Saiyan 3, which is awesome. Like He went Super Saiyan 3 off screen, though. Yeah. Because as soon as we see him, he's already got the hair. Totally. Which I felt like that was a little bit of a waste. Yeah. But. I mean, seeing him transform is really cool. I don't know why they would have taken a that transformation away especially because he doesn't do it very often like even into the new series he's only done it once or twice yeah once against beerus at the beginning uh once during the tournament of power to show kale and khalifa yeah. that it was a possibility and i, th- I think, think he does it again it. uh whenever it's that final tournament of power like i want to say he transforms for a split second yeah, yeah but maybe i'm thinking incorrectly but yeah that's a like I think it's been canonically explained that that form just totally zaps them. Like, because I think Vegeta yeah. says he can go Super Saiyan 3, but it's not worth doing because it's just the, the gains aren't enough for how much it zaps or takes out of them. But I wish we saw it more. That's a, such a cool form. It really is. It's, it has, I think, a polarizing um, effect on the, the fandom in general. Um, but I like it. I, do, I didn't I realize like it was polarizing. I, I like it. And maybe yeah, I, I think, like it because of the scarcity. We don't see it very, very often, you know? That could be. Well, he's he's on the scene, and he's just like, fight me if you're ready to die. Trunk jumps up and uh, slices off Rudigarn's tail, and he goes to, like, chop off more of this alien, but Goku calls him off. 
And then this is where Gohan's like, he has a weakness. And Goku says, I know. And then he explains that the weakness is intense emotions drain its energy. That's when it can be attacked. And I'm like, it's not at all what Gohan was trying to communicate. (laughs) You just totally shifted gears. And so Goku kind of spends the next like 10 seconds, 15 seconds, kind of insulting him in a bit, saying like, you call that a punch and you have to do better than that. I'm still standing. Uh, This is where in either one, I can't remember which version, I didn't note it, but um, this is where he says, uh, one more big punch from me. If I don't do it, who will? And then he leaps up Rudigarn's arm. And in the English, he shouts the move Dragon Fire, um, but it really is the Ryuken, which is Dragon Fist. It kind of sounds like uh, Hadouken, you know, um, which From is, Street Fighter? I don't remember, like... Yeah, I think it's, yeah, his it's character's Street... name is Ryu, isn't he? Yeah, it's it's Street Fighter. I think the move means something like Surge Fist or Fast Fist, um, but Ryuken is literally Dragon Fist. Like, that's what the name of this is. So I don't know why they changed it to Dragon Fire in the English, but they did. Yeah. And why don't you describe this attack? Oh, it's awesome, man. Like, it's basically like he summons a golden Shinron that comes out of his fist, grows inside, and just rips right through Hildegard's stomach, and then he blasts into a million specks of energy. Like, I thought this was a pretty cool ending scene. Or I just hate that we didn't see more fighting, but, like, the superpower move was needed. It didn't seem like fighting would have taken him down either way. So I dig it. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, I have that golden Shinron grapples Harutagarn into oblivion. Yeah. Because he like ends up, he blasts through his chest and then he's like wrapped around him like a boa constrictor and then that's when he kind of pops. Yep, yep. It was really, really cool. And Goku's standing in this like rising column of sparkles that pierce through the clouds above. It's all very cinematic. There's an LR in Dokken that has this exact animation at the end. Oh, that's cool. We kind of wrap it up with, um, there's some weird this dialogue is, yeah. with trunks. That's what yeah, I was talking about. Like in the... Yeah, in the English, the dialogue is something like Trunks beginning to explain why he hesitated and Tapion just hand-waving it like, eh, whatever decision you decided to make was the right one. Yeah. In the English, though, it's very, or in the Japanese, it's very Well, in the English, he says something like, if you trust your heart, it'll work out in the end. In the Japanese, though, he's like, look at all the people I killed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, which I think actually flows more with what happened earlier with Trunks, like when he says, shakes his head no, and he's like, no, I don't want to be a hero if that means sacrificing you. Like, the weight of all of what's just happened is absolutely affecting Tapion, but in the English version, he's just like, super chipper, like, hidey ho, I'm free of that guy. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Well, and in the Japanese, on the tail end of him having that realization the characters spend the rest of the movie saying, hey, we're going to, don't worry about it, we'll summon Shenron and we'll wish everyone that was killed by Harutagarn back to life. Not a problem. Um, but in the English, it's, it's just like they go straight from that weird conversation with Tapion and Trunks to like h- hooking him up with the time machine and the passing on of the sword. Like there's no discussion about the fallout at all. Because well, in, in the Japanese fact, version, very they different. knew that they just used Shinron. So like they, they've yeah, got, they've got, got a, year a year to wait unless maybe yeah. in this world, they like wished Shinron to not have that limitation. And he was like, well, I can do it, but uh, you lose two wishes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now nah, there's still, I don't think they've, I don't think that they've ever really, played around with that rule of the dragon. You know how, but. like, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, everybody got snapped, and then, like, the Avengers and everybody brought every- everyone back, and there's this whole conflict of, like, hey, you know, like, we had people in our family and, and in our lives that were dead for five years, and now you've just brought them back. Like, how do we cope with all of this? 
I wonder if it's right. like that at, at all in the Dragon Ball world because they never really explain time frames. And if they did have to wait a year, that's like a year of this city being wrecked. And then out of nowhere, they just forgot what happened over the last year and everybody's there back again and everything's fine. It's like, wait a second. Like yeah. at some point in time, someone had to catch on, you know? Yeah, yeah. Especially this late in yeah. the game for our own movie, like 15 or whatever like, it is. Like people that, that are around Goku's age, they have had to realize that there's at least a solid 15 or 16 years that they just kind of don't really remember super well, like super foggy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, man. So, yeah, the the movie ends with Tapion getting into a time machine to whisk himself back to uh, a time a thousand years in the past where him and his brother Minosha could grow up living normal lives, not in music boxes is basically um, what we're left yeah, with. Yeah, but we also know that that would take him like to another universe, not necessarily back in time. So I like to think he just killed his other universe self, like pulled a Rick and Morty and is like, no, Minosha, it's actually me. Yeah. Or, it's, uh, well, I had this, discu- this discussion with... Um, some friends regarding the new Doctor Strange and uh, the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. Like, there was some weird... I don't want to spoil things, but there were some, like, glaring inconsistencies with some of the shenanigans pulled oh, in there yeah. that I was just like, I can't even say this is a great movie because there are some easy solutions to certain things in this movie that nobody pays attention well, to. Well, yeah. But, it's a it's a Doctor Strange film, though. <laughs> yeah. That'll be for our MCU podcast. That'll never oh, happen. Oh, man, I would love that, though. I, I want another comic book podcast in general. Like, I've been rereading comics lately, and I've been listening to uh, Jay and Miles explain the X-Men, and it's just got oh, me great. wanting to talk about comics in general. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's uh, let's brush through Holler Minutes real yeah. quick. Just 0.5. There's, like, exactly 30 seconds of yeah, hollering. Yeah, there's not Offensive a lot. hollering. Yeah, there's, again, the rules are offensive hollering only, so nothing like pain... Um, or, uh, you know, d- you know, if they get swatted, things like that, if they're grunting for exertion's sake, um, I'll usually count that, but, uh, there were just, there was a lot of like yelling, um, but not a lot of offensive hollering. So 0.5, that puts it at the very, like very, very bottom of the holler list tier. Um, so it's, it's at the, you know, in the bottom two or three, I would guess. I feel like out of all of the movies we've been watching lately, this one had more dialogue in it, like period. Like thinking back to like oh, the, the Broly did. movies, there's like basically no dialogue. Yeah. Well, yeah, that was one of my bigger problems too. I, I would say that maybe it swings too far in the dialogue direction here because the fight is, the fighting is pretty minimum for it being a Dragon Ball Z movie. It really is. And I will also go so far as to say that the best fight in the movie is the one bet- with uh, the the initial confrontation with Gohan. That's the best fight in the whole movie. The stuff at the end was okay compared to that, um, but the the initial uh, confrontation with the bottom half of Harutagarm was the best I, choreographed and animated fight in the I movie. I would totally agree with that. Yeah, like I, I definitely don't think that this was a super action heavy Dragon Ball Z movie. It was more of kind of like a sci fi space thriller. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, they, so I guess this will kind of fold us into the next segment, which is how would this be different if it were an arc of the show instead of a movie? All of that stuff that they did with the dialogue could have been really stretched out. Like, my favorite concept that I would have loved to have seen from this was for them to take the concept of the Kashfar to its logical conclusion, which is like, they are the people behind the scenes pulling all these strings that have caused all these conflicts for the the Z fighters over oh, the years. Oh, that would have been like, cool. They're this like evil Illuminati. I like that. That's a really cool concept. I would have loved to have seen that race and their their machinations in the universe played out. I think that that would have been super neat. Um 
obviously I think we would have seen more of the stuff on um on Conut's animated and fleshed out a little bit more. Um there would have been more of Minosha for sure, uh, like besides a scream and then him being stomped on, um, and then seen briefly in like uh like a flashbacky kind of way or or a mirage kind of way. Maybe that's the better way to think for about sure. it. But yeah. Um what about you? What what are the what's the the thing that you would think or the things you would think would be different if this were I art? think the the two big things that I kind of wanted to change in my mind, I don't think they would have used Shenron to open the box. There would have been some other mystical quest like, oh, the only thing that can open it is this key that exists in this really hidden place from this myth from a thousand years ago on this planet. And there would have been a whole episode of like Balma making a ship for them to go there or something like it. There would have been more to it than just go get the Dragon Balls. Yeah, that or they could have consulted Baba. Yeah, something you know, like um, there. Are, Baba might have been able to tell him where to go. What yeah, I, or King Kai even. I mean, like, I can't believe that at any point in time, Goku wasn't like, King Kai, why didn't you tell me about Tapion? You know what I mean? Right. Like, there's just a lot. Yeah. The, the universe of Dragon Ball Z is a lot bigger than this movie kind of hints towards, if that makes sense. Like, the Kavshvar, Kof, mm-hmm. I'm going to totally butcher their name there. But how have we not heard of that before? Like, surely Frieza would have mentioned it or someone else, even if they were from a thousand years ago and they were this huge evil race. I just don't think we would have gone this long without having heard of them at least. Uh, but the other thing that I kind of had the thought about is that there would have been more probably to Hoy. Like, I think we would have seen him more. He would have yeah. been around longer. It wouldn't have been revealed as quickly that he was the big bad or at least the original big bad. Right. And I, I also kind of think there would have been a much better fighting take place period. Like, Every time they would have fought Hildegard, I think he probably would have had two or three more phases, and it would have been bigger and better every time with new weaknesses, and it wouldn't have just been this like one phase kind of done deal sort of thing. Yeah, I I definitely think the fight the fighting would have gone on much yeah, longer for sure, um, and maybe they would have been more consistent with the weakness and some minor quibbles. Like I would that, have liked to have but, seen um, Tapion fight too, even if it was just a minor fight between him and Hoy, who neither of them appear to be very powerful. Like Tapion can't even fly on his own from what we can see in this movie. So, yeah, Hoy gets more action in this movie than Tapion does. Like he's actually seen like be an offensive. Tapion does nothing but like draw a sword halfway out of its sheath one time when the boys sneak which up i him. like part of me likes it and part of me doesn't I, I flipped on that really hardly because initially i was like wow what is, who is this weird character that basically doesn't do anything other than play the flute like all of the other characters that we meet and kind of befriend the main you know main folks that we're used to seeing help them out somehow by fighting or they already know how to fight or they're very powerful too but with Tapion, he's not. I mean, he's just playing the flute, which happens to be a mystical object. So he himself has no real power, if that makes sense. Yeah. And part of that's fine. It's not like everybody that rolls up on the scene of Dragon Ball has to be, well, a, you know, a skilled fighter. It begins to lean in, into the absurd when that is the case. All and that's the time, kind but. of why I also like it. I mean, it, it gets <laughs> away from the norm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, how would you rate this one, man? Uh, you know, I've thought a lot about my rating on this one. Because it's the first one that I think I've watched and didn't go into it with like super heavy nostalgic eyes. Um, there are, are a handful of things that I'm not a big fan of with this movie, but ultimately I landed at a 5.5. I, that's a little higher than I'm willing to go with it. I'm going to give it a 5. Yeah. Um, it's, it's good. It, I think I had hinted at it earlier. I, I was pleasantly surprised it was better than I remembered it being. But I do think that I still struggled with it just because of the, I mean, the biggest part is 
when I, to be honest, like putting the cards out on the table, when I sit down to a Dragon Ball Z something, I want it to be a lot of fighting. Like, and like dialogue is fine, but they had to do so much of it to set the stage for this movie in a movie's format that the fighting was secondary, um, maybe even tertiary. Yeah. I mean, it just was kind of, it happened t- t- like maybe twice um, where Z fighters were actually involved um, with fisticuffs. And that's the stuff that really has drawn me to Dragon Ball Z. I do think that we would have, you could have taken that amount of dialogue and it's great story. Like the Tapion's backstory is great. His relationship with Trunks is awesome. Like this is a Trunks movie, which is super cool. Um, if you had taken that to the show and had that longer format, I think it would have been some of Dragon Ball's best content. Well, um, and I think that's why I... because they tried to do it with this compressed format, it, it it struggled a bit. It wasn't wasn't quite snappy enough, but they they had to put all of that in there to make it make some sense. And even still, it misses the mark a couple times. I think that was why I actually rated it a bit higher because we've been watching so many Dragon Ball Z movies that are literally just fighting. Like, I mean, I think Fusion Reborn was pretty much just to show off Fusion fused characters fighting like high power levels things like that there was not really a good story there you know and so in my mind it's like wow this is the first one we're getting where they put a lot of thought into these characters and who they are and their backstories like there's a lot that adds to the universe and that's why i really liked it we all know that these characters can fight so like i kind of went into this one being okay with the fact that there was more dialogue than the the previous ones because that's what we've been exposed to for the most part for the last like 10 movies (laughs) yeah i mean i will say that like if you're thinking about Dragon Ball as scales, you know, like the scales of justice, you can definitely have way too much fighting and not enough dialogue. That's why we disliked Bio Broly and Broly yeah. 2. Broly 2 is like literally 95% yeah, fight. Yeah, totally. Um, but it suffers because there's nothing else Absolutely. to it. Whereas with this, we got a lot of really, really cool, like ex- expanding of the the uh, the mythos of Dragon Ball in my mind. Yeah. I'd, man, it would have this really would have breathed better as an arc of the show. And most of these other movies, even when we had good ideas for them in the show, um, like they did fine as movies and they would have done fine as the show. I think this is the first movie that if that I think if they had had, you know, a core, you know, a 13 episode run that played this material out, it would have actually been enhanced. It wouldn't have just been repackaged. It would have been better. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Either that or, or like give the movie 30 more minutes. Like the new super movies are longer than 45, 50 minutes. So yeah, I'll, I think this is going to be the end of um, the strictly like an hour long movies. I really do think that with uh, Battle of Gods that you start seeing hour 20 um, you know, a, a more proper like feature length film than more like a made for TV movie runtime. Um, and those movies are better for that. Like, and we'll, we will see that play out as far as their ratings are concerned for the most part. I would. Yeah, be. no, I would definitely agree. Well, I think that will effectively wrap us up for Wrath of the Dragon. What do you think? It will. In two weeks time, we're going to be covering Dragon Ball colon The Path to Power, which was released March 4th. 1996. Um, so we're going back into the Dragon Ball world. I believe that this is largely a retelling of the first little bit of Dragon Ball. I don't know that I've seen this, so I might be speaking it out of my butt. Yeah, but, no, you're totally right. Um, it's, it's definitely like a retelling of the original Dragon Ball movie, but it's they kind of mixed it with the Red Ribbon Army instead. So it's a mixture of a new telling, basically. Okay. Well, we have that to look forward to. I believe after that, we get the GT movie. And then after that, ladies and gentlemen, we return to the live action realm 
with Dragon Ball Evolution. I am pretty sure that that is the the way that the next three uh, episodes of Kaio Cinema I'm play I'm looking out. at our chronological list here, and you are right. Okay, well, so in about a month's time, uh, we're going to be gearing up for Dragon Ball Evolution. So that'll be exciting. Will it? Stay tuned to find out on the next episode of Kaio Cinema. <laughs> Well, actually, if you'll remember, Adkins, I am going through pretty crazy life change right now. My wife and I and our son are moving, so oh, yeah. I'm going to get my house up on the market, man, and like, it's ridiculous. Contractors are apparently too busy uh, to come help me, just a little little guy that needs a little bit of work done, so give us a couple weeks, but we will be back, what, probably early August with the next episode? Yeah, I, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll be announcing it. We'll announce it on the Twitter where we can definitely I don't think we're dropping the AMP between now and then so we'll no, we'll keep no, you guys no. updated uh with regards to the the triumphant return of Kyo Cinema with Dragon Ball Cole and the Path to Power when it comes out but yeah I I had totally forgotten that you were like I might need a couple weeks because I'm you know trying to unpack stuff from a U-Haul right now so <laughs> yeah, yeah I actually had to uh I totally forgot that we were watching this movie and I packed it and so, like, I had to go oh, rent a copy online because I didn't have oh, it. No. <laughs> That's funny. So, yeah, it was, like, in a box somewhere in the garage. And, and I, I actually did label the box because I realized when I was packing them, like, oh, God, I'm going to have to unpack this. So I wrote on it, like, board game slash DBZ movies. But it's somewhere in, like, 20 boxes. I have no idea <laughs> where. So, yeah. Uh, but we will be back for sure. And I, we definitely can't drop AMP because we're in the midst of ending Vigilantes. Vigilantes, that's We're, right. like, four chapters away, man. How crazy is that? Yeah, four or five, I think. I think yeah. we only have two more Vigilantes episodes left. Absolutely. So stay tuned um, to this podcast and the Almighty Podcast to be sure not to miss the next episode of Kyo Cinema, whenever it is that it will mysteriously resurface on your podcatcher of choice. And be sure to tune in to AMP because we're doing a fun little giveaway for the end of Vigilantes to sort of celebrate the end of that era as far as AMP goes. So We are. I'm pretty yeah, excited about that. I'm stoked, And it's easy man. to enter. Super easy. Just listen to the last episode of the AMP for all the contest rules or the next one because I'm sure we'll keep repeating them until it's time to actually draw a winner. Absolutely. It's like episode 107 in case you're interested and uh, you only listen to Kyo Cinema. All three of you because Adkins and I are the other two. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, we know that at least one of our other viewers, possibly even two of them, are also uh, products of the AMP. It might just be in a little echo chamber, but we don't really care. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I like the way I sound. Otherwise, I wouldn't keep doing podcasts. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> All right, guys. Well, we will see you as soon as we are able to do so conveniently and keep the quality that we uh, aim for with uh, with our produced audio. So, Absolutely. Have a good tuned. couple of weeks. We'll see you soon. All right. See you guys.